Coming up, takeaways from the second day of mandatory minicamp is Kayvon Thibodeau in need of some checking before he gets a little bit out over his skis. We break that down. We talk about biggest injury concerns potentially for Big Blue. All coming up right after the theme music. All right, it's OGP, the one giant podcast where you know we are your host over here, Adam Armbrecht, covering the Brooklyn Nets over on the Locked On Nets podcast with my boy Doug Norrie. And over there, oh, it's the season generational ticket holder, the healthy, wealthy, and wise Mr. Andrew Wackowitz. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of tired. I'm not as healthy as I could be. Listen, when you when your son gets sent home from daycare because they see a, 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 an allergy to something and they're like, you need a doctor's note to get back. Basically what you can do with the rest of your day is just put a big X over it and cancel every single thing that you thought you were going to accomplish for that day. Honey, the kids being sent home from school. Do you have that lighter fluid? I was looking to burn the rest of my agenda for an idle, uh, what would have been a Wednesday. Yeah. Listen, that's the nature of the beast, man. Or at least that's what I hear. I am just an uncle. And even that can cause some disruptions in your day-to-day life. <laughs> uncles and gra- uncles and grandparents, the best, because you can rent kids while they're while they're super sweet, and then all of a sudden, when they start saying n- the word no or they start hitting, Ooh. you just hand them back to whoever they belong to. Ooh, I'm not enjoying this anymore. Listen, <laughs> and maybe some players are saying they're not enjoying the mandatory mini camps anymore at this point. We know players want to get through this, get a little bit of time off before they get back for training camp. But at the end of the day, which we'll get to later. Um, this is about trying to develop a perspective on where this team can go, some key players, and, and get whatever takeaways we can. There's a lot of guys, just before we get into uh, Golden Tate's comments around Daniel Jones, a little outside perspective, we're going to talk about some of the key players here as well. Over on YouTube, people were asking, you know, what are we hearing about Darian Beavers? What are we hearing about McFadden, right? Some of these other players in the secondary. What about Darnay Holmes? Don't worry. We got time. And I think, you know, out of these three days, we're going to get to go back next week and relook at what were some of the other players that either had some nice performances, maybe struggled a little bit, and just where does this hierarchy stand? So stay tuned for all of that as we work our way through the offseason. But let's start right there at the top, Andy. We've, you know, this is the topic of the offseason, maybe of the last two, three seasons, and going forward, Daniel Jones and where he stands as the potential franchise quarterback for the New York Football Giants. Golden Tate, as we know, former New York Football Giant, now a little bit of a member of the media was talking about where Daniel Jones is in his career and maybe what has prevented us from knowing, good or bad, right or wrong, if he can be the quarterback of the future. Yeah, so Golden Tate was was doing uh, some media yesterday, and they and they brought up the big question, like, what will happen with Daniel Jones? You were there. You you saw some some of it with your own eyes before, you know, unceremoniously being released by the Giants. And Basically, he actually came back and had some positive things to say, even though his time in New York with Daniel Jones wasn't very successful. You know, Golden Tate came out and said, I enjoy DJ, and I think he has all the tools to be successful for a long time. You know, he had this conversation on NFL Network. He went on to say he's tough as nails. He can make every throw. He can run. He is very, very smart, as we know. I think they just need to let him loose. And the last comment was actually the the one that I got the most out of. But, but give me your initial thoughts on, on what Golden Tate was saying. I have nothing against Golden Tate, obviously. It, it was, you know, again, dropping the hat as far as his time with the Giants goes. 
Um, the initial comments, I mean, first of all, you know, tough as nails, I respect it, but the track record doesn't show that it shows that he gets injured, you know, tough as nails is guys that manage to stay in games. And I'm not even doing this to pick apart Daniel Jones. I'm just, this is the way that golden Tate is contextualizing it. Right. Um, we all agree that he is a very smart player. At least we think he's a very smart football player at the quarterback position. The other part about holding him back. That's the big one. The, the end statement being held back. I think there's two sides to look at on that. You can say, and I think you should have just been letting him grip it and rip it his entire career because you would just know with more certainty what he is or is not. We know that Jason Garrett and under Joe Judge, it was, oh boy, let's try to you know prevent this kid from making mistakes. Let's try to shelter him, understanding what we don't have around him right now, offensive line, weapons, et cetera. Okay, fine. But there's two sides to that coin. The one side is we don't want to overexpose him to what he can or can't, you know, getting injured or what he can't do. And then it's about... What is he capable of? And it, it, it's hard because it's a new regime now. And you want to look back and say everything that happened underneath the previous head coach and under the previous GM, it was all bad all the time. And I think that that's a bit of a fallacy, Like there can be a reality to the reason why you were reigning in the playbook is because you didn't have trust in him. And when you saw it in practice, that suggested if we let this kid go forward on game day, we could find ourselves seeing a lot of turnovers, seeing a lot of big blowout losses, right, wrong, indifferent. That could have been the result. Yeah. Well, the thing I think about is I go back to Daniel Jones year one on the job when he was sure, a rookie four and 12. Yep. Uh, and, and he had 24 touchdowns with 12 interceptions through for over 3000 yards. Didn't even start all the games, yep. but guess what? They had an offensive minded coach in Pat Shermer mm-hmm. grooming him, letting him show the characteristics and traits that we know Make him great after this whole sample size of three years now. Yeah, you cannot Patrick push to draft him, right? He was one of they say the vocal vocal members of the Giants that wanted to take Daniel Jones and believed he could do something with him. And and then the tough part is after we let Pat Shermer go, we bring in Joe Judge, who's an ultra conservative special teams person, and bring in Jason Garrett, who is a very very conservative play caller. And then we put the handcuffs on Daniel Jones to say. Let's not do all the things that make you great. We know the byproduct of some of those things is turnovers, but let's just stop doing all of those things. And let's make you be like a pure pocket passer with one of the worst offensive lines in the league and all the injuries to the wide receivers. So to me, I like, I think it's interesting what Golden Tate says because, and, and now take this with a grain of salt because when when Golden Tate was released, he basically uh, had some unkind words to say about Jason Garrett, where he said, Jason Garrett is a great storyteller. But, and I quote, stories don't score points. So even when Golden Tate got released right yeah. afterwards, he was like, it's ultra conservative. They're not keeping up with the times. So this was like a couple of years ago, right? Like think about how long this has been going on for the Giants. And Golden Tate says the same thing that Brian Dayball says, that Joe Shane is saying. They think, he said, I think they need to just cut him, uh, let him loose. And basically what everyone's saying is stop making him fit into this little box of being a conservative passer, use all of the tools and skills that you know he has, and you will see him perform and flourish because he has all the tangibles at him. Yeah, and this is, again, on the Golden Tate side of it, right? Like, I'm, I'm compartmentalizing it, too. I don't necessarily care that Golden Tate is saying it. I do care that, to your point, you know, if we went back and looked and said, well, what would the progression have been over three years if he was in Daniel Jones a offensively progressive system under Pat Shermer, right? Say you didn't fire the guy that you listened to when you drafted him at sixth overall high high in the NFL draft. Say you kept him around, right? Where would he be? Now there's the world where you go, yeah, maybe he would have, you know, the turnovers would have continued to accelerate and it would have gotten worse and he wouldn't have cleaned things up. And and we would know, Hey, this guy's a bit of a disaster or 
maybe those numbers would just look a little bit like, hey, this kid's got a little bit of gunslinger in him, right? He's going to give you some big moments. He's also going to give you some big mistakes. I, I, I'm not putting him on the same level. I'm not making this comparison. But when you always thought about Brett Favre, right? What was it? Dude's going to do what he's going to do, right? He's going to give you some of those beautiful moments. And then sometimes, yeah, he's going to whip one. And you're going to go, wow, why did you just throw that interception for like almost no reason at all? Like, ah. That's what you get because you know you've seen some of the samples that say this guy can win big games for you and you can go on a long run, right? I, 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 and that that sentiment alone, I agree with. Of and I think this is what I think everyone is saying is like, I just want to know, right? He's throwing nice deep balls in practice. Why don't I want him to throw ten of those in a game? Okay, if four of them get intercepted, guess what? We find out he can't do it on game day. That's okay. Now we know something, or maybe he hits three or four big home run swings at the NFL level. And we go, okay, this guy can be capable of doing that. So I think the proof piece of it, right? That's the most important sentiment about this and why I, I there's the divide, understandably so, and I, I'm long-winded, but I will say, maybe this is like something that I have to adjust myself to going into the season, because you know, going back to when they drafted Daniel Jones, nobody is a, a bigger proponent of. Once the player's drafted, he's on my team. I support them. That is that is how I approach everybody, including Saquon Barkley. In the moment, I was like, wow, it's insane. You're taking a running back second overall. I can't wait to see this guy get on the field. He's electric. Same thing with Daniel Jones. So maybe I just need to you know, push that pause button on how bad things have been for the last couple of years and give him an opportunity to say, if you can do something like your rookie year, two up, one down, I, I can get behind you. Well, Adam, the, the thing that I keep going back to is every single player, every single coach that has been around Daniel Jones for the last three years, whether they're with the Giants anymore or not, has the same things that they say about Daniel Jones. He is he's tough. He's mobile. He can make every single throw. And so what I'm saying is I know, that's, but that's not that's not true, though. And I'm, I'm just going to put wait, back here. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. But wait, but wait, let me finish it because because this is this is why it's so hard for Giant fans, because everyone says all these things. They say he's very, very smart. He's a very intelligent football player. They heap all this praise on him. Yet we haven't seen all of that come out yet. Well, the problem is, is that Daniel Jones is right. a likable guy. He works hard. He doesn't have any problems. He's yeah. all, all his teammates love him. You've seen him in Hoboken drinking beers with Saquon Barkley. You've seen him all over the place. Like he is just a, a genuine, nice guy. And and conversely, you look at a guy like Baker Mayfield, who's taken number one overall. He can't get out of his own way. He, he, everyone's like, oh, he's too small. Oh, he's too cocky and brash. His right. teammates don't like him. And guess what? They trade for Deshaun Watson, of all people, who may not ever play a snap for the Cleveland Browns. So, like, think about the difference of being, like, a hard worker, a smart guy that people like. You get opportunities more afforded to you than even the number one pick in the draft. Well, and we were talking pre-show, uh, Josh Rosen, right? The great example. Guy comes in, acts like he owns the locker room, doesn't earn it on the practice field, doesn't earn it in the film room. People don't appreciate that. So now all of a sudden you run a foul of players, start running a foul of coaches and you start running a foul of the NFL. Right. So yeah, you're right. In that sense, it's like you, of course you want to give a good guy more opportunities. Right. I mean, it's, it's kind of the, Eli, in some ways, again, always the comparison to Eli Manning. It's like, yeah, it's not always great. Remember that time that he went on that run though, in the playoffs, you're like, that's why it's cool. Like we can give him a longer run. It's why at the back end of his career, at the end of his career, I was, I would, I was the defender of being like, you never know though. You don't know what he could do, right? Remember that last game when everyone, the, the infamous boat trip, but Eli Manning showed up for that playoff game against Green Bay. He hit all the passes, even in the declining years of his career. And you were like, this is why you always want this guy to be able to go out on his terms. So in that regard, you're right. And, it, and it's just unfortunate 
that there is this cloud around it. I'll throw in this other piece before we get into some mandatory minicamp notes. Um, the one thing that now underneath this new regime, everyone is saying, love Wink Martindale, love Dable. We love it all. The system, Joe Shane, the, the romance is in the air. And somebody did make the note. You know, they all said the same thing about Joe Judge when he was the head coach, when he came in, right? Like, there is that part of this, too. And this isn't about Daniel Jones so much as the general sentiment, right? Players are always going to say the right thing. And I do think on a global level, as long as you are a good guy, as Daniel Jones is, you're never going to run afoul of the NFL fraternity, right? Even if if you wash out, you're still going to be someone that everyone goes, yeah, he was a great young kid. It just, it's a shame it didn't work out for him at the NFL level, but, but what a great guy, what a talent, really understood the game, and that's why he's going to be a you know commentator in the booth this year, right? Like, I, I think that that's a part of what the NFL is and, th- and that there's a brotherhood there, and that's fantastic. So I, it, tempering a little bit of that is important here as well. I, I, I would agree with that. What I will say, though, is early on with Joe Judge, the media was kind of out on him already because of his hard was style. There, yeah. yeah, hard no style, making people run laps, and, and like, you know, the, the way that he approached things early on, the media had soured on him pretty early, whereas Dayball and Joe Shane, like, Dable's going to Ranger games, having cocktails, being the nicest guy out there, has the flashy Jordans on. Like he just wants to like run the team as like the the nice figurehead. So it it does feel different. I wouldn't be surprised if Dable gets way more leeway with the media for how approachable he is compared to the style of Joe Judge of being a little bit more hard-nosed, disciplined, structure making veterans run laps in practice right and whether or not whatever the personality was coming in for joe judge something that feliciano mentioned in an interview about dable they asked you know how has it changed how has it shifted he said it hasn't it's the same way that he was in buffalo now he's the head coach he 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 believes in what he wants to do he believes in the work he wants to see people go out there make the mistakes that's fine just make sure that you're making them at full speed and cleaning them up and getting better and progressing so feliciano as a holdover carryover player has given every indication that no, he's the exact same guy. Now he's just doing it the head coach. And I think that that's an important distinction too, right? Because we don't, we didn't get to know what Joe Judge was about as a special teams coach in New England, et cetera. But it just felt like, right? Something felt inauthentic around him. And you said it with Joe Shane and with Brian Dable. It just feels like these guys are being honest. It feels like they're being genuinely themselves. And that's always a positive, which is a shame to have to say for the New York Giants. All right. Mini camp side of things. Let's start with Saquon Barkley here, Andy, because, um, there's big there's big standards here we have expectations if we want to turn this thing around and Barkley as we've said the way that he's being used and the way that he's showcasing himself in this mini camp and over the course of the offseason is he's doing it right at least right now he looks like he's doing it right he has and and I take it from Brian Dayball when when you mentioned that just like you know obviously he's looked good in camp some Jordan Renan Zach Rosenblatt say that he's been playing a lot out of either the slot or being a pass catcher in space which you and I have said for quite a while is probably the best way to utilize his talents as opposed to bang him in, into the line 25 times. That probably isn't the way to keep uh, yeah. a talented player like that healthy. Brian Dayball says, yeah, I see a talented player. I'm glad he's on our team. Looking forward to working with him. He's been great. And I've been, uh, I've been here uh, just on the running field, running around, but he's been impressive. I can't wait for him to do it in pads under pressure. So he's saying, yeah. I've loved what I've seen so far, but let's, let's like, make sure we know we haven't even gotten into actual drills yet where like he's going to get that contact and he's had injuries before. So I think Dayball is handling it the right way. He's not building him up too much where all of a sudden this house of cards can fall. He says every milestone that we hit, I'm liking what I'm seeing. 
Yeah, you better listen, by the way, right? Like some of the best athletes in the world look that much more impressive when they're just jogging around doing Johnny generic, right? But for especially for Saquon Barkley, we know when does he have issues? I mean, and not even from an injury standpoint, in game. When he starts to dance around too much, right, wants to make the big play. And I'll be curious. We talk so much about Daniel Jones and how things get better with the offensive line. It'll be interesting because stylistically, Saquon Barkley is that kind of guy. You know, run, run 30, 40 yards east and west to get 8 to 10, and then maybe the big home run hits going north and south, right? It is a part of his style. But hopefully he gets a little more confident behind the line and he feels like, hey, it's a one cut move. Let's let, let's get up and go here. And that's something he can show over the summer, too. Well, he's he's already feeling more confidence. You can hear him saying that he's getting more healthy. He's he's feeling at more athletic. He feels very comfortable you know, with the team. And they asked him what they say about the detractors and the doubters of Saquon Barkley, which there are a lot of them. A lot of them happen to be giant fans. One may even be my co-host on the show. But. Uh, you know, basically he comes out and says, what do you say to all the detractors? So I think he was speaking to you directly, Adam, when he said, when the tables turn, stay on that side. And you, you just mentioned it about Daniel Jones. Once they're a giant, you've got to be all in, put the chips yeah. all in the center. So Saquon Barkley saying, Adam, don't, don't come over here and hang out with me and Andy and Daniel Jones, you know, in Hoboken and, and, and hang out and have some beers once we're, once we're looking all good and, and the ship has been righted. The awkward, the awkward moment when we both walk over to the table and I just casually get pushed to the <laughs> side and Andy gets welcomed in. Listen, he I, looks at you and he says, oh, we listen to OGP, Adam. We oh, listen. Oh, oh, we're avid listeners. It's upsetting. Uh, listen, as I said, we talked about it in the offseason. Now that like this is what it is. This whole offseason is about me building towards entering week one and saying this is why I, I, I'm confident in Daniel Jones. I'm confident in Saquon Barkley. I'm confident in what this offense can do. But when you ask me objective questions as the regular season ends last year. Yes. These are, you know, this is the way it looks. And by the way, so far sample size tells you that I'm, this is not what it's about that I'm right, right. To this point, I'm right on these players. It doesn't mean that they can't change the narrative. It doesn't mean that they can't improve, right? That's a big part of being a young NFL quarterback. Specifically, you can get better. And that's a part of me believing in you and wanting you to stick around is that I see from year to year, you're a guy that's dedicated, that is looking to improve and is looking to make yourself a better player. Incidentally enough, for both these guys, injuries is something you can't necessarily improve. And that's something that follows both of them around right now. This is true. But Adam, uh, I'm going to reach out to Saquon. Him and I are close. I'll just get, I'll bring him (laughs) on the show. And I want you to say, I'm right. You're wrong directly to his face, just so we can clear the air so that when he does flourish, you can at least go back to him and say, you know what? Hat in hand. I was wrong. Oh, listen, I'm nothing but a gentleman when it comes to that kind of stuff. Let's go ahead then and talk a little bit more here on the uh, the minicamp takeaways. This is a little bit off the field in front of the podium, so to speak. Uh, Jihad Ward is a veteran brought over, has connections, obviously, to Wink Martindale on the defensive side. And he is already ready, already to be taking on a leadership role, specifically when it comes to having a young player like Kayvon Thibodeau and making sure that this kid is going to be the best version of himself and ready to hit the ground running week one. I mean, you got to love what Ward is saying, right? So, so Jihad Ward sees Kayvon Thibodeau and he's screaming across the field, literally screaming, KT, you better get in that playbook. He's yelling and screaming at him, basically telling him to go learn and study. And like, everyone was like, wow, he's really getting on Thibodeau. Like, I wonder why, like what's going on. And, Jihad Ward is playing this perfectly. And he he says, shoot, we drafted him, right? We drafted him and he's a special guy for this defense. My job is to get him right. And that's all of our jobs. Basically he's dialed in. 
He'll be ready in training camp and he'll be ready to go. I don't want him to be learning while he is playing. I just want him to go. And what a great move by Jihad Ward, right? He's 32 years old, million dollar, right. $1 million dollar salary. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, I'm hopping on the cave on Thibodeau train yeah. and I will do everything to make him successful. Like what, what a great move. It, it, not only is it great from, from a veteran leadership perspective, but also, Hey, I want to be around on this roster and I want to, I want to be a part of this thing. I, I just think this is, a, this is exactly something that the giants need on defense with a personality like Thibodeau. No, listen, when you talk about, again, this is why you can make the one-to-one connection. This is why Wink Martindale probably said, hey, if we can get Ward on this roster, it's going to be good. Not just for Tibbet, for all the young players, right? I This guy is, not only does he get it from a football standpoint, but he gets where he is in his career, right? I mean, you have a sense of a player like that. The difference between a guy 31, 32, 33 years old thinking, hey, I still got a lot left in the tank. I want to go get a big contract, et cetera. If you have a player like this at a low cost, you bring him in and he can help be, as we talked about, guys you moved off of and Logan Ryan, right? Uh, vocal leaders on this team, talented players like James Bradbury. Well, you have to fill in those gaps a little bit. And while we think in the long term, you want Kayvon Thibodeau to be a leader on this team and on this defense, this may be the way that you get him to that point too, is by seeing a guy like Jihad Ward say, hey, This is what it looks like to have leadership. And Thibodeau said all the right stuff when he came in. All the off-field accolades, that'll come if I get in the playbook and I do it right. But it doesn't hurt to have experience, a veteran, and somebody on this roster. And if you're Jihad Ward, you're like, maybe I get another year out of the New York football Giants if I play this right. And guess what? I'm fine with that. I'd love to hear that Ward is just this veteran depth piece at 33 and maybe even at 34 years old because people like him and he has value in the locker room. Not every player on your team has to have the ability to start 17 games. I think that's something that people don't necessarily realize. You you may think that you need uber talent. Everyone needs to be young and everyone needs to be able to step in and play 17 games from week one. That is not how you construct a winning football roster. I mean, there's a reason why Brian Hoyer is still in the league right now. That's Brian fair. Hoyer is, is a veteran guy who can help teach young quarterbacks. He signed another two-year, $4 million deal with New England, is going to be there for another two years because he's that type of guy that's like, I'm going to help nurture Mac Jones, right? Yep, and there yep. is a time and place to have people that know their role, know their responsibilities, and act either as an extra coach or get on the players. And, and Jihad Ward is doing this perfectly. And the reason why he's great in, in what he's saying is because there has to be someone in that locker room as big and as bold and as brash as Kayvon Thibodeau's personality is that can check him a little bit. We can't yeah, have Jihad Thibodeau- Ward has nothing to lose, right? Like what, what, right. what are we talking about here, guys? Like I'm on the back end of my career. If I call you out and it all goes, it all goes horribly sideways. Okay. But that's what I'm here to do. And I'm not calling him out because I think I deserve his spot and it's me versus him. I'm calling him out because I truly believe he has greatness in him and he needs this discipline early on. Like get in the playbook, work hard, do all the right things early and you, the the world is your oyster, Kayvon. And I think that's what he's really showcasing here. And you can afford to say it to your point. I'm not a threat to you. So if I say something to you, you can take it as honesty, right? You can take it as, hey, man, I want you to be great. I want you to be the best version of yourself. Ain't nobody sitting here going, watch out, Thibodeau. <laughs> you know, Ward, Ward's coming for right, you. No, right. when, this is when, your- when Brian Hoyer gives that advice to Mac Jones, he's not telling him so that he can sneak <laughs> right. in and start 17 games. Like there is a time and place for experienced veteran players that want people on their team to be great. And I think, you know, kudos to Jihad Ward. I, I think we want more of of. The, you know, players like him. And I think this is obviously why Wink brought him in to your point is he has that type of personality where this is what Wink is fostering and culturing on defense. 
We're still in minicamp right now, but but at the same time, it feels good hearing a lot of these news and notes coming out. Okay, so the other thing is, and I agree, I concur. I concur, doctor, I concur. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, somebody mentioned this after coming out of yesterday's episode, the first day of minicamp, where we were saying, uh, obviously defense is usually ahead of the offense, and look who was available on the offensive side of the ball. So what expectations can you set here? There was a little note coming out of camp as far as maybe someone that's showing up a little bit in the absence of a lot of these wide receivers that have been wearing red jerseys. As third string quarterback Davis Webb was connecting with the seven on seven drills, one Keelan Doss. Keelan Doss is technically not signed with the New York Giants, but he's been in with the team for two straight days and he seems to be performing pretty well. It looks like all indications are that he will get a spot with this team. Um, but the question on YouTube was, or not the question, the comment came across with, Hey, okay, Kenny Galladay not out there. You know, what about Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard? We were mentioning all these guys that aren't there right now, but they all have a track record potentially of not being there right then in the future during the season. And you may have to accept you're going to have to fill in the gaps here. And it makes some of these other players in the wide receiver group specifically pretty crucial to hear that they're having good camps, that they're performing well and starting to develop a chemistry, hopefully with Daniel Jones. Look, if Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, uh, and, and anyone else, pick pick any other wide receiver that you want that isn't out there right now at this point. Like, if those guys aren't going to be on the field for the Giants, this Giants offense is going to look anemic again. We need our star players to be out there. We can't have those injuries. We saw what injuries do to this team. If Andrew Thomas isn't playing and our top three wide receivers are not on the field, I don't see how we are going to manufacture more than 14 points a game. It, it, I mean, it's, it's a bleak outlook, but to think that like Richie James or Keelan Doss is going to step in and have the same impact that a Kadarius Tony or a, a $20 million Kenny Galladay can have is, is a challenge. I, listen, when healthy, we think that this team can compete. If you tell me there's going to be nicks and, and bruises along one or two of these players being out at any given time for a week, Yes, it is important to have one of these guys fill a role, fill a spot, fill it for a quarter, a half, a game. But if you're telling me we're not going to have this complement of players for the season, that's where yeah. things would start taking a turn for me. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to keep an eye on it. And you know what? I'm actually going to call a bit of an audible here to close out the episode. And you're going to appreciate this, Andy. We were going to talk about, and we still will in this offseason, what is the biggest injury concern for this team? Who is the player, right, that it's going to reveal – the long-term issues for the franchise, the short-term goals that they may have going into the season. Put a pin in that, Andrew, because I wanted to go ahead and give you this to mull over. Tight end Ricky Seals-Jones appears to have tumbled down the depth chart. The last two days, obviously, over the course of the mandatory minicamp, both the fourth-round pick in Daniel Bellinger and undrafted rookie Austin Allen have been getting most of the first-team reps ahead of him. Dable downplayed it before the practice saying, I always tell these guys we have a rep chart, not a depth chart right now, but it does bode well uh, for Seals Jones chances, does not bode well, excuse me, for Seals Jones chances of making the roster. Uh, do you, I mean, listen, we're talking about it right now. It just feels like, including Austin Allen now, we said this going back, we were very high, basically day one, as soon as Daniel Bellinger caught a ball. You said, this is it. I'm all in on Daniel Bellinger now at tight end. I think we're getting, we're, we're progressing further and further down this road of it's going to be Daniel Bellinger at the top of the depth chart. And who knows, maybe other young talent is going to overtake there for the depth behind him. Because as we said, the players in competition there are nobody. 
and not at a price point that you don't feel like, hey, sorry, you're, you're a veteran. Enjoy your time on the roster, but we're already going to the rookies here. So I I will agree with that, but I will not go all the way in. There has to be at least one veteran tight end on the roster come week one. They're just not saying off the be, roster. Right? Not saying off the roster. Just saying right. you're, you're 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 second, you're third, and we, we just have other guys that are more talented here. Right. I, I, and you're already seeing it. You know, they talk about the reps with the first team not being a big deal. It it is mandatory minicamp. You want to get some of these rookies as many reps as they can as we get into actual training camp and we get into preseason games. It'll be interesting to see who they have with the ones and the twos. I think that'll be a, an indicator, but Adam, every single person is saying Daniel Bellinger is impressing. They're saying he's athletic. He could, we, we thought that, you know, Kadarius Tony or Wondell Robinson would be that one wide receiver. That's the X factor. People are saying, don't be surprised if he starts week one, don't be surprised if he makes a significant impact being that security blanket for Daniel Jones out of the tight end position. And yeah. you, you look at, we, 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 did a whole thing on the tight end position up in Buffalo and seeing how they utilize Dawson Knox, especially in the red zone, catching touchdowns, getting eight, nine touchdowns, leading the NFL at the tight end position. The, the sky's the limit for, for Daniel Bellinger. I'm not going to come out and say that first year, not even knowing if he's going to start week one, that he's going to have that type of impact. But don't be surprised if early on, he may even have a bigger impact than Wondell Robinson. Well, that's an interesting one. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about that, right? Like again, health around this position. We'll tap into that at some point. Um, uh, who can impact earliest among these rookies on offense or on the defensive side of the ball at the end of the day, listen, we're getting more sample sizes. Bellinger is a great example of someone who seems to only be getting praise through mandatory rookie voluntary, right? Every single time you hear his name, it's just been consistent and reaffirmed praise. We mentioned how some, some people were asking over on YouTube about Beavers, about the linebacking core, other players in the secondary, other members on the offensive side. We're going to get to them. There's going to be a lot to cover here, but right now I think we're getting a pretty strong sample size on what we've been able to do. Um, and it just comes down to a pause and then what do we see down the pike when we get back into training camp? And if some of these positive vibes right now carry over. Yeah. A couple more days, Adam. Mandatory mini camps will give us a little bit more insight. I'm excited. To, I'm excited to see the little bit of a break. See the guys getting together, still working hard in the off season, then come back in training camp. See if things still remain the same. So a couple more days of, of some insight until we go into a, a little bit of a lull in terms of, of the updates from camp. You better believe it, buddy. If you don't uh, get us now, you can get us later. Podcast feed, YouTube feed, in on the comments. Have the conversations. We keep breaking it down. As Andy Makowitz, until next time, would want, need, and nay, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.